Merry Christmas. It's not too early to say it. Merry Christmas. Anybody tired of Christmas carols yet? There's always one or two. I always ask that because some of you are like, I'm tired of them in October. Um, but uh, it, it's Christmas season. Uh, thank you for being here with us. If I've not met you yet, I'm uh, Pastor Adam. I'm the church ministries pastor here. And my privilege today to get to uh, continue this walk in our journey in this Christmas series called Still. Uh, pastor Caleb did an awesome job last week kicking off this uh, series talking about being still, being calm, being quiet before God, which is so, so important. But this word still carries with it another meaning. Not only being still and quiet, but continuing on. I still worship God. I still will declare his goodness. And and we're really kind of looking at this word on both sides of it in this series. We will be still before God, and we will continue to be still before him. Can still be still. See what we did there? Play on words? Okay, sorry. Um, We're going to be still before God. Today we're going to talk about the angels. Uh, uh, Because you can't have Christmas without the Christmas angel, right? Right? Right, thank you. Because the Christmas angel angel is important. How many of you put an angel on top of your Christmas tree? Any of you? A few of you put an angel up there. Uh, How many of you are like uh, the star? The star is the top of my tree. How many of you are I don't put anything on top of the tree? I let the tree speak for itself. There's always a few of those too, uh, maybe a bow or whatever else. But I remember when I was a kid on top of our Christmas tree, we had this, it, right in today's time, we'd look at it like gaudy and weird, but it was this plastic angel that glowed, you know, like I thought it was cool, but the angel was on the tree. And the angel is everywhere. We put it in uh, uh, all of our decorating. In fact, we have a manger scene on our mantle. And when we're setting it up, I, uh, we, we put up the manger, and it's kind of this wobbly sort of manger. And then there's this little hook on the manger that the porcelain angel kind of hooks onto. And every year I'm wondering, is this the year the angel falls and breaks a wing? Because it's just precariously hanging there. But it's got to be there because that's what the hook is there for. So we put up our porcelain angel, and we put them everywhere. Uh, angels are a big deal. And um, How about uh, any of you grow up in the time of Christmas cantatas where you did performances and Christmas programs? Uh, we still do. We had an amazing shout performance last week. If you, if you missed it, you got to come next year because it is awesome. Our kids, when kids share the gospel, there's just nothing like it, right? It is amazing. I grew up in churches that every year we'd do Christmas and Easter programs and we'd sing. And I remember one year, you ready to be odd? One year I got picked to be a Christmas angel. That's right. That's right. I'm pretty sure the director saw my, my angelic character and just the, the glow about me as a young child. Um, but I got to portray it. And, and what's funny is one of the coolest things for me was the garland uh, halo that you got to wear. Like, I don't know why garland's itchy and weird, but I'm like, check me out. Bing! Woo! I'm holy. I'm an angel. Hey, we think about all of these things, angels, at Christmas time. For the Fox family, angels have a special place. Because my daughters are actually named after the only angels in the Bible we have a name for. My oldest, Michaela, is named after uh, the archangel Michael. Uh, and and the name, uh, her name and Michael's name means this, who is like God? The rhetorical question of no one. No one is like God. We, we, we named our oldest, uh, M- Michaela, uh, after Michael and, and uh, my middle daughter, uh, Gabriella. We call her Ellie. You may know her as Ellie. Uh, we, Gabriella named after Gabriel. He's the angel that... Uh, uh, talk to Mary to announce the, the birth of the Messiah. Um, and that name means God is my strength, my hero. I like it. God is my hero. 
we look at angels in Scripture, and, and really, Michael's role as an angel, he's kind of the, the lord of the, the heaven's armies. Like, we have these warrior angels, which is kind of like, wow. And, and, and uh, all angels, they're, they're, they're warriors, but they're also declarers of God's message, proclaimers. They're deliverers of a message from God. And if you look at these, you're like, you have a warrior and you have the deliverers of a message. These two things, if you think about it, are not mutually exclusive. Because God's word has the power to demolish strongholds spiritually. Angels' jobs were to deliver God's powerful word to the people. And fight in the spiritual battles in the heavenly. This is what's going on for these angels. And, and this is so, so cool that you look at what these angels did in the book of Luke. If you have, the, you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read it. But what I need you to understand this is this. The angel's declaration in Luke chapter 2 is just as true today as it was then. And that's really my main point. That's really where we're going with this. We need to understand that the words that the angels say here in Luke chapter 2 is just as powerful now to you and I in our time, in our day, as it was thousands of years ago in that field. What are these words? If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the part of the Christmas story. Maybe you read it to your family or you've heard it if you've been in church at any length of time at Christmas. We'll read this. You'll hear it everywhere, and we're going to read it again. But before I read this, I want to take a moment because one thing I, love, I, I want to do every time I approach God's word is to pray and say, God, would you illuminate these words on this page to me? So would you bow with me as we pray? Lord, help us open our ears to hear your words. Open our ears to hear the declaration that these angels make. God, I pray that you would use my words to declare and proclaim your truth to everybody here who's listening in with me. God, we praise you and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Luke chapter two, we're gonna jump in in verse eight. It says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Underline that, hold on to that later. Guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, in that moment, the angel was joined by a vast host of others of the armies of heaven, armies of heaven, warriors, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I imagine especially this last part when all the other angels showed up with the one. I don't know why, and the Bible doesn't say this, but in Adam's mind, the angels are singing because that's what angels do. They sing all the time. And you're like, glory to God. I won't sing it, sorry, because um, that's not glorious. But you imagine like the sky is now lit up with all these angels. I mean, think about it. Paint this picture. The shepherds in a field near the city with their sheep, and it's quiet and it's calm. Maybe you hear crickets. It's quiet. The sheep are all bedded down, you know, like perfect little sheep all do, right? And the shepherd, when everything's calm, leans against the tree. Ah, what a hard day. And in that quiet, 
the night sky just, boom, lights up. This glow shows up. And when it says that they were terrified, you kind of get the picture, don't you? Like, whoa, what's happening? You're scratching, like, what's going on? How many of you like to be woken up in the middle of the night? I don't see any hands, I don't think. There's always somebody. Yeah, me. Um, we do, I hate being woken up in the middle of the night. It is the worst thing in the world. When I'm asleep and you come in and flick on the lights, it's fighting time. This is my sleep time. As a parent, I remember one of the worst things to be woken up by when you're laying in bed and sleeping and all of a sudden you get this feeling something's watching you. And you open your eyes to your angelic little child staring at you, like, ah, oh, wow, okay, um, that's my kid. My sweet, sweet angel child. It happened a few times, and that'll wreck your sleep forever. You sleep with one eye open. Uh, but getting woken up, and sleep, no wonder they were not, not only terrified because now the light turned on, but these angels are appearing to you. In the Bible, sometimes that was not a good thing. Like, what's going on? So the first word that the angel had to say was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then the angels begin down a path, what we're going to call a proclamation. They begin to proclaim the message from God to his people. They were delivering a message. And we're calling this a proclamation because this is what a proclamation is. It is a public or official announcement dealing with a matter of great importance. They were dealing with a matter of great importance. Importance. We have proclamations even today. In fact, in, in our uh, government, we have what's called a presidential order. He says, this is what's happening. Now, that goes through a lot of channels in, in our government. But, but if you're a king in another country or queen and you say, this is what's happening, that changes law, that changes everything from that point forward. What we have to understand is this angelic proclamation is powerful. What they're saying is, this is going to change everything. The words we're about to deliver to you, shepherds, changes everything. It's a proclamation. The, the, uh, these, as other parts of Scripture say, thus saith the Lord. You can't argue that because that changes things spiritually. God's word is indeed that powerful, and their words are powerful today because it wasn't just for that physical moment spiritually Things were changed forever. The proclamation of these angels. What did they proclaim? Look at it carefully. What were the words that they said? The first words after they said, don't be afraid. They said, listen, I bring you good news. How many of you like good news? When somebody comes up to you and says, hey, buddy, I got good news and I got bad news. Which do you want first? How many of you are a bad news first person? Like, give me the bad, and then you can cover up with the good. How many of you are the, give me the good news so that I'm prepared for the bad? There's a few of you. More people are like uh, the other way. I, I like it this way. Just the good news and the good news. Keep the bad news to yourself, right? I don't want to hear it. I know sometimes there are stuff that happen in life where, where you have to have the bad news. But if you look at what they're saying, the angels aren't showing up and saying, shepherds got good news and bad news for you. They're saying, we got good news. This news that we're proclaiming to you today changes everything. This is good news. What is this good news? They say in verse 14, the good news is this, a Savior has been born to you. Think of this word Savior. 
And we throw it around in church circles, Jesus, you're my Savior. Do you understand what this word really means? It means a Savior is one who comes to deliver a people from oppression. In order to need a Savior, you have to be oppressed. None of us like being there. And when you're there, it's awful, it's terrible, it's hard, it's painful. But when the Savior shows up, that right there is good news. The Savior has come. Look at this in context. The angels show up in this field near the city to the shepherds on purpose. It wasn't an accident. God just didn't say, let's choose that field over there. I guess they're not busy and they don't do anything. There was a reason. Here's what we know. If you do some studying in scriptures, is according to Jewish law and custom, sheep were to be raised out in the wilderness away from the city, far from the city. What we know is that the only sheep, according to Jewish custom and law, that were allowed near the city were the sheep destined for sacrifice. These sheep had a purpose. These sheep were gonna be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And as soon as I talk about that, and if you, maybe you're not like, like, like me, but I hate that. I don't like even thinking about it. In fact, I don't want to preach on it. Can we just avoid the sacrifice thing and go straight to the other stuff? What we have to understand, and as sick as that makes us feel sometimes, the wages of sin is death. I know this is not a Christmas part of the message. Christmas is supposed to feel good, Pastor Adam. The wages of your sin is death. And in Bible times, there were these sacrifices and offerings that were required to be brought on a regular basis. I don't even like thinking about that. But as much as I don't like thinking about it, I have to look at these sacrifices as this way. It was the grace of God. Because the wages of their sin should be death. And he said, here's here's a temporary setup. Bring these offerings to the temple. Bring these sacrifices to me. Because the Bible tells us this. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And you know whose blood needed to be shed for your sin? Yours. The angels show up to these sheep that were destined for sacrifice. And the shepherds who are watching him saying, guess what? Good news. The system's over. The Savior has been born. And this Savior has one purpose. To show you how to live and to die for your sins. Jesus came to die a death you and I deserved. But why it was so effective and impactful was because three days later, he rose again and defeated death, hell, and the grave. People look at me. This is good news. This is a good, good. We don't like to hear it all, but this is good news. We don't have to wander in darkness anymore. We don't have to be, be stuck in this system that just didn't ever quite fulfill it, so we have to continue to do all these things. Look at what the prophet Isaiah says in 9. Isaiah 9 writes this. This is long before Jesus was born, long before the, the, the angels appeared to the shepherds. The prophet Isaiah says these words. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep dark, darkness, a light will shine. Any of you ever been lost in the woods in the middle of the night? <laughs> I have. Here's what I know about darkness. Everything wants to kill you in the darkness. You're lost in the woods, and, and I'm, it's a tree, but I'm pretty sure it wants to kill me. You hear a sound, and like, yep, that's the boogeyman. He's coming to get me. I'm, I'm sure of it. 
right? Everything wants to kill you. You're, you're a kid at night and the lights go off and all of a sudden your pile of clothes turns into this big scary monster. Darkness is scary and that's, that, that fear is tiring. It's exhausting. Imagine, he's stuck in it. God shows up to these people. He sends his son Jesus and says, listen, the light has come. The light appearing at night to the shepherds wasn't an accident either. It was a light saying, this is what's really happening spiritually. And that's what we know from Isaiah. A light will shine for those living in a land of deep darkness. A light will shine. Then skip down to verse six. Here's why. Here's why. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. That's a prophecy thousands of, uh, long before the angels showed up. Saying this is what will happen. The angels show up and proclaimed, guess what? Good news, it's here. What you've been long awaiting for has arrived. Your Savior. This wandering in darkness no longer has to happen because God sent his son to change everything. That's the divine proclamation. He says, it is good news. And then he says in the proclamation, the the angel says, it's good news that will what? Bring Great joy. It's good news that brings great joy. We sing carols like joy to the world. And sometimes we get tired of saying those words and we just say them because we memorize them. Joy to the world, the Lord. Good news brings with it joy if it really is that good. Joy. Is it who you are? Is it it what you know? The implications of this good news changes everything. I don't have to walk in darkness. When the light comes on and you're lost in the woods, how does it feel? We lost power for a very long time not too long ago. When when the power comes back on and the lights come on, what do you do? Yeah. It's joyful, I'm telling you, because I've been there not too long ago good news that'll bring great joy and we sing it in our songs in our carols there's one song we sing around christmas that i think captures this feeling this sentiment very very well and it's one of my favorites it's a it's actually a poem written by a gentleman named adolphe adam powerful name those guys do great things adams um anyway uh, he writes the, the lyrics to this song oh holy night it's my favorite Listen, listen to these words because he captures what the Bible is saying so well. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. That word pining, we don't use a ton anymore, but it's just this longing, this grabbing for something that I need. It's, it's just out of my reach. Help, I need it. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared. Oh, he appeared. And I love this line, and the soul felt its worth. This good news of great joy is that your soul, everybody look at me, online look at me, your soul has value. You're worth it. The soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope. I, I, I'm, I'm an amusement park kind of guy. I, I like thrill rides. 
Um, I, I, I like that thrill, but, but the thrill of hope is so much more than a two-hour wait for a 30-second thrill ride. This thing is going to change everything. The thrill, my, my, my heart soars because I can see now. The light is on. My soul has value. Everything changes. I'm forgiven. I'm not oppressed by evil and darkness anymore. I have life. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Ha <laughs> ha, dawn is here. A- a- angels' proclamation, they say, listen, it's good news. And what that good news will do, if you really understand it, is going to bring you great joy. We just, Pastor Rob walked us through a, a series in Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 8.10, he writes one of my favorite scriptures in, in, in all the Bible. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the joy. You can't rob it. You can't take it from me because it's mine. Jesus came for me. This proclamation was good news. That will bring great joy and finally to all people. Do you know who's included in all people? You and I. It wasn't just to the shepherds. and It wasn't just to the city there. It wasn't just for that time and period. This good news of great joy is for you. It's for me. And if this is true, if this angelic proclamation goes beyond that time and is powerful, just as powerful today as it was then, you and I need to begin to wrestle with that proclamation. What do you do with it? What, what are you doing with this proclamation, this good news that brings great joy that is to you? That a Savior's been born. How does that change the way you live today? That's what we gotta wrestle with in Scripture. And I just want to, real quickly in our time left, I want to give you three ways that I want to challenge you to respond, our action items, to this proclamation. What will you do with this proclamation? Number one is this. I challenge you to believe it. Let's start at at, at the basic. We need to recognize the good news. We need to recognize that this is good news. When we hear news, we've become, in our world, a little jaded. We begin to doubt, like, is that true? I heard it on the news, but I better go check Snopes, or I better go, go ask somebody I trust. We, we don't trust news because there's so much fake news, but the majority of the news that we get is what? Bad news, because bad news sells headlines. We don't get a lot of good news. So we live in a world that's inundated with bad news, and the danger we have in our world is to harbor this bad news and begin to focus on it. Human nature is to focus on the negative, the difficulties, the hard, the stress. When you're driving down the road and you see a a police siren or a police lights on the side of the road, what do we naturally do? I gotta look, what's going on? That's what we do. And, and, And I fear sometimes we become so jaded that out of our mouth then becomes negative, complaining. The first thing we tell our friend, we haven't seen him in a long time, oh, did you hear what Susie did? Oh, I tell you. Negative, complaining, gossip. We become so focused on this. And we say things without thinking that are completely against good news. Do you want to know if whether or not you believe the good news? Here's a test. Listen to what comes out of your mouth. What are the words you say? What are they painted with? What are they tainted with? Because here's what I believe. What comes out of your mouth starts here in your heart first. And if it really is good news, before it comes out, It's painted with, oh, Jesus, 
but Jesus. Yeah, we have to deliver bad news sometimes. I get it. But if it's good news, it changes everything. Negativity, complaining, destroys faith. Look what Paul writes in, first, in Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do what? Everything. He doesn't say everything except the stuff that's hard. No. It's not always easy. A difficult season for, for a lot of people right now. I get it. But without complaining or arguing, why? Because I know it's good news that changes everything. We need to believe it. Maybe you're in this room today. And you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And I tell you, Jesus died for you. He looked at your heart, your soul, and said, you are worthy. You're worth it. And he came for you and died for you. And if you don't know this, Jesus, can I invite you into a relationship with him right here, right now? The Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts, that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That we have fallen short and I've been walking in darkness and I need a savior. And we reach to him and you are saved. Today can be your day to enter into that salvation and that hope and understand this good news is for you. When we close, I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. We need to believe it. And I challenge you to do that. Secondly, we need to live it. We need to live this good news. It needs to impact everything that we do. How do we, how do we know we're living it? How do we know that I am living the, this good news? Here's your test. Is your heart at peace? Is there peace within? Because remember what the angel says in Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom he is pleased. If your soul is worth it, he's, he loves you, he's pleased with you, he sends his son and he gives you peace. And now as soon as I say peace, we start to go, yeah, well you see the world around us, Adam. There's more division now than there's ever been. Wars and chaos. If that's peace, he did a crummy job. We struggle with that, don't we? But if, if peace is only in the here and now, that's the only way you define peace, you're defining it far too shallow. Because his peace supersedes all of that. He is coming again and he's going to be the Lord and authority and warrior and show us what peace is when we're with him. But right here, right now, he gives peace in our hearts that is unshakable, unmovable, and no one can rob it from you. I have peace because he is here. Pastor, Pastor Caleb did an amazing job last week talking about Psalm 46, being still. That's what it is. Be, being still, Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. This word still is literally, stop striving. He did it. It's finished. Live a life of praise and that peace before him. Let that be for you today. Look at me. It's good news. It's good news. And third and finally, we gotta believe it. We gotta live it. We gotta share it. We gotta share it. When you have a bit of good news, what do you do with it? I want everybody to know. Maybe you're, maybe you're not like me. What I do is I go to all my <clears throat> social media accounts. That's right. Pastor Adam's on social media. And I want everybody to know all the good stuff that's going on. So, you know, Instagram and Be Real and Facebook and all, yada, 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 and on it goes. I want everybody to know, right? Like, for instance, 
my daughter Michaela was gone at college for a long, long time. We missed her, and she's back. I got to pick her up from the airport, and what is the first thing that I do as a dad? I'm posting that puppy. I want everybody to know the good news. She's home, yay! And then you know what else I do? I go back and look at how many people liked it. Like, yeah, there's 50, 60. This thing's going viral. Good news. I wonder why sometimes we're not that excited about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I say that looking in the mirror. And I'm not saying we need to share, hey, guess what? Jesus died for you all the time. No, there are times, right? But are you ready when you encounter somebody who's struggling to share hope? To cry with them, but at the same time say there's peace and there's joy because he came. Are we sharing it? The angel's proclamation is just as powerful today as it was back then. And the way that they proclaim it to the world today, you ready for this? It's you and I. It's God's plan. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 2.9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our job is to declare the good news. Church, listen to me. This season, Jesus came as good news. Have you let it be good news to you? Have you experienced pure joy? And I'm not talking about happiness where you're always clicking your heels and dancing. But like even in the midst of this, I got joy, I got peace because God is good. And I want others to know that's what this is about. So I ask this in closing. Because you have to wrestle with this truth. How will you let this angelic proclamation affect the way you live this season? But beyond this season, for the rest of your life, how will you let this affect you in January? The humdrums of the, the winters around here. How will you let it affect you? Church, the news we have is good. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you let it affect you? I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing a song and reflect and celebrate and let this good news sink into our hearts. Let me pray for you, Lord. Help us to take this good news and hide it in our hearts and understand that it is good. And I pray for anybody in this room, anybody watching, anybody with me who does not yet know you, they may pray this very prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I have struggled, I have fallen short, and I need the light to shine again. I believe you are Lord. If anybody has prayed that with me, God, I pray that they would understand and see your peace and your joy right now in Jesus' name. God, as we sing, I pray that we would begin to let your peace and joy infiltrate every part of our lives and we would begin to understand what this is all about. Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Would you stand with me? as we take a moment to reflect.